Welcome to NXT Revisited Classic Edition. It's NXT 147. We are in the late years, or late months of 2012. And we start the show off with a recap of Cole talking to Rollins and Jinder. Looks like Roman has been added to the beginning, and we are at full sail with Tom Phillips and William Regal. Now, of course... At this point in time, it's important that I tell you to go to rundownwrestling.com to check out all of our shows and our ugly faces. The show starts proper with Paige heading to the ring. It's very, very strange to me to hear the music they have for Paige and to have her come out. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't click with me. Um, now I know CFO Dollar Signs is there because Bray Wyatt has his music. So pretty soon we're going to start seeing that transition. It's time for some divas action. Their words are mine. And here comes Sasha Banks. Sasha, oh, Jesus Christ. Sasha is almost unrecognizable. She's super tiny, which I know she's always super tiny, but she's not the ripped petite girl that we normally see. She's just kind of a tiny little girl. Um, also, you know, she's not the boss yet. They, she will get that later. So she's kind of just, um, they, they don't, they don't really sell her at all. Um, they don't talk about that. She's related to Snoop Dogg and they don't kind of, you know, they bring up that she's from Boston and shit like that. And she's been all over the place, but that's about it. Um, they don't really tell a story who she is, but then again, I don't think she really has a gimmick right now. She's just kind of good female wrestler. They tie up and start hugging each other. Very slow start to the match. Uh, also, Sasha has some weird, like, tassels on her boots. It's very, like, annoying. Paige gets a leg lock in, which then they, like, roll around the ring for a while in a leg lock, but Banks is able to pop out. Sasha slaps the tits off Paige and already looks great in just a short amount of time in this match. Paige tosses Banks by the hair, and Paige hits a Northern Lights, but forgets to completely hook the leg and lets Sasha pop out before she repins her and gets a two. At this point, Tom Phillips sounds like he's on downers. He either doesn't feel like he wants to be there, or he like wants to be a little bit different than Michael Cole's like shouty announcer thing because he's so like, oh yeah, Sasha Banks with a uh, lariat there. That's a uh, Nice move. Also, Sasha has two gold lines that run down her trunks that makes it look like she has giant pussy lips. Paige kicks Banks in the gut and hits the Page Turner for the win. This was a good debut match for Sasha, um, but more importantly, this was a match that you could point to and be like, this is a sign of things to come. Not the Audrey Marine match that Paige had a couple weeks ago. This was the beginning of the turn for people. Uh, this match wasn't one that was by the level of today's standards, but compared to the standards of 2012, this was a five-star fucking match of the Tokyo Dome. Get your fucking dick out, Meltzer. Generic dude is backstage with Roman Reigns with a mic from 1985. Reigns kind of chastises him a little bit before... <sighs> 
Apparently Reigns has his ringtone for his cell phone set to uh, 1960s rotary phone because he gets a call and then walks away. That was an odd segment. We get a recap of Cassius Ono destroying Tyson Kidd before we get sent to the back to see Cassius Ono standing with Leo Kruger. So apparently these two guys are lovers. Ono reminds us that Richie Steamboat, Trent Beretta, and Tyson Kidd have all been taken, even though they've all been just taken out by Ono. Leo Kruger didn't really help in any of those things. Ono says that if Regal interviews again, I will see you in the ICU. How long do you think it took him to think of that? He seemed he was very proud of it. Summer Gray, ooh, Summer Ray introduces Oliver Gray. Yay! And he looks just thrilled to be there. Um, <laughs> this I don't know what was going on. This is like the first match, or this is the, this is the first like hour of the TV tapings. I would expect by like episode four for this to start happening, but like everyone just seems like they don't want to do it today. And like Oliver Gray is just like, eh, here I am. I'm I'm gonna be fed to this fucking guy, and. Tom Phillips is also just like, whatever, I'm, I'm getting paid one way or the other. Bray Wyatt makes his way out, and Bray starts talking about love. The audience is either too mic'd up or too fucking loud, because they keep yelling random shit, and I'm trying to pay attention to Bray Wyatt here, people. He wants Oliver to feel what true power is, and true power is apparently love. So apparently... Bray Wyatt wants to love Oliver Gray, or make love to him, one or the other. Turns out Bray is not fighting, it's Eric Rowan. Eric Rowan drags a rocking chair out before heading to the ring. Where the fuck is Luke? Rowan with a big boot followed by some stomps, and now Regal's downers kick in because he is also very subdued. Rowan with a scoop slam, and Regal quietly remarks on how hard his dick is over Oliver Gray. Rowan picks up Gray for some hugs before hitting a sidewalk slam for the three. They never name Eric Rowan during this match. It's a great way to introduce a guy. Don't give him a fucking name. Bray then gets on the mic again after the match and says that this is the second son of Bray Wyatt, Rowan. Not Eric Rowan, mind you, but Rowan. He calls him just Rowan. It's... yeah... Weird. Dusty Rhodes makes his way out after the break, and Dusty is here to talk about uh, Vicky Guerrero for some reason. Dusty pulls out his fat dick and drops on the table by saying she cannot put a bounty on someone. Uh, he then gets really fired up. Um, I notice that some guy in the crowd has the same Goku shirt as me. Uh, then Dusty calls Vicky a cunt. He then apologizes for calling her a cunt. Camacho makes his way out. <laughs> and things get borderline racist here. Uh, Camacho with his over-the-top Mexican accent, um, and then Dusty proceeds to say that he can either call him GM or whatever those, whatever you guys call the president, which would be El Presidente, but Camacho says El Capitan. So either Camacho doesn't know Spanish, because that's the captain, not the president, or 
Dusty was supposed to say, you can call me whatever you guys call the captain. You never know it, Dusty, because this whole thing could be completely off the cuff by him. Uh, Camacho says Hunako is caught in Mexico and he needs the bounty money to bring him back. Ah, I don't, I don't even know what to say at this point. Um, but then Camacho says that if Dusty doesn't bring the bounty back, Camacho will put a bounty on Dusty. If Camacho is in need of money to get Hunako out of what I assume to be prison, how would he have money to put a bounty on Dusty? That doesn't make sense. Biggie Langston comes to the rescue and, like, just stands there. And Camacho's just like, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I wasn't going to hit the old guy. Dusty sets up a match for next week, but it won't be a one-on-one -on -one match. It'll be Biggie versus Camacho and whoever his partner happens to be, which apparently won't be Hunako because he's apparently in prison. Big Show has a message for the NXT universe, is what they say, but he has a message for just one guy, and one guy is not the NXT universe. Big Show, who is the World Heavyweight Champion at this point, alright, I forgot that he had that for a little bit, Big Show chooses to accept Bo Dallas's challenge. So next week, the Big Show takes on Bo Dallas in a match nobody wants to see. Yeah. So, at this point, we are heading into our main event. And I was convinced, while watching this, that my mushrooms had kicked in. It happened later, after I was done watching the episode. Because something happened. The three-man band music played. And out comes Jinder Mahal. What? What and... What the what? What the fuck happened? Between the last taping and this one, Jinder debuted on the Moon roster as a member of Three Man Band. Which is fine. But remember, NXT was a weekly show. Which means that for the last two or three weeks... You have seen Jinder Mahal on WWE TV as a member of Three Man Band, but in NXT, he's been the old Jinder. And then suddenly, out of the blue, even though if you're watching it week to week, the past two weeks he's been a different type of person on different shows, suddenly he's Three Man Band Jinder. Now, if for whatever reason, in 2012, you only watched NXT and didn't watch the WWE product, which I highly doubt there's anyone out there who did, you would be so fucking confused right now. You'd be like, at the beginning of this show, they showed proud Punjabi Jinder Mahal, and then the guy who came out for the main event is wearing leather pants and doing an air guitar. You went from being a serious character in episode 146 to being a joke rock star in episode 147, and nobody mentions it. Nobody makes a fucking reference on this to why this guy suddenly, out of the blue, completely changed his character, demeanor, and somewhat of a wrestling style 
in as much as Jinder Mahal can change his wrestling style. After both guys come out, Seth comes out and does his normal spastic dancing, Summer Rae finally gets to introduce the two main eventers. And you can tell she doesn't really want to be there either. The bell rings and Jinder leaves the ring. We get another slow start to the match as Jinder is playing the old school heel type of wrestling of making the match boring, while also doing his air guitar taunts, which again is odd if you watch this episode the week after the last. <laughs> Why not just have him show up as the old Jinder for this? Because this is clearly like going to be his NXT send-off, right? Why have him come out in his three-man band gimmick for one match? This is also a very long match. They gave this match 20 minutes. Now, I would watch most Rollins matches that go over 10 minutes, but a Jinder Mahal match is not a match I want to watch for over 20 minutes. And it's nothing against the guy. He is... He's a talented dude. He is, But he's very much like a Randy Orton style of talented, where they're... Technically, good. There's nothing you can really say bad about their style. But they are very methodical wrestlers. And at times, that can be kind of boring. Especially when he's a pretend rock star. At least when he was WWE Champion, you kind of had a reason to hate him. This here, you're just like, this is pretty much a jobber match for Rollins. After a while, because there is still a match going on, Rollins gets back in control of the match and lazily clotheslines Jinder outside and then goes for a, wait for it, a suicide dive. Never fucking hit that move before. Rollins then hits a flying knee for two, and while he has Jinder uh, up for the buckle bomb, Dross says, now is not the time for oratory. Was he insinuating that Rollins was going to suck his dick? Because, for one, that would actually make this match interesting. Two, that seems like an odd thing coming out of Jim Ross, well, coming out of half of Jim Ross's mouth. Jinder tries to lock in the camel toe, but Rollins gets away. Rollins hits a kick to the face and follows it up with a Skywalker for the win. That's right, I just gave you three sentences to cover a 20-minute match. That's how much I didn't care to watch this match. But it's my show, and if you have a problem with that, go to rundownwrestling.com and let me know. <sighs> so Rollins continues his reign as NXT champion, and Jinder is on his way to the main roster to do nothing for six years. Corey Graves is in the front row and claps for Rollins, which doesn't feel that genuine. How long has he been there, by the way? Was, was he there for the entire match? I know that I kind of like stroked out and forgot that I was watching anything for a little bit there. Um, I also was able to um, successfully jerk off while I was watching while the match was going on. Not while I was watching the match. I wasn't jerking off to Seth Rollins. I was jerking off to Seth Rollins' dick pics. That's a different thing. That's my desktop background on my computer. <sighs> a little team of TMI. A little, little, little too much. All right. All right. Uh, so Rollins takes us off the air with Corey Graves mean-mugging him in the background. So, Rollins has his, I guess, next challenger for the belt. And that will do it for this episode. 
So, NXT Revisit Classic, back, at least for this week. Um, we are doing a lot of different things um, uh, with the rundown here, with the launch of the network. One of them is bringing back NXT Revisited. Um, we will be, you will hear, or you should have already listened to the episode Wednesday, which was the, ter- the, the brand new NXT Revisited, which is covering the actual current episodes. Whereas I will try to do some of these classic episodes here and there, still going in order. Um, I don't intend to skip anything unless I hear that Vicky Guerrero is going to be like in half of an episode. Then I might skip it for my own sanity. That's just something that might occur. It's very possible. But um, we are back and we are in full force here because um, we have this network and we're very proud of it. Um, This is obviously our kickoff week here, which is why we've had an episode every day of the week, which can't be any happier for Gotta give it up to uh, Adam, Jason, and Jeff for really coming together and and doing this. Sal as well, once he's able to get um, some personal things out of the way, is, is full force in this one as well. Uh, and we will see a, a WrestleMania Salvation coming out uh, within the next couple of weeks here. So, uh, But with that, I'm very happy to uh, go ahead and say we will see you next time.